Welcome to another Blue Jay Beat Wrap-Up Show featuring WhiteAndBlueReview.com's Matt DeMoranis. Good evening, uh, Creighton fans. This is Matt DeMoranis from White and Blue Review, sitting here with Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald. Uh, sitting at the Central League Center courtside tonight after Creighton's 82-57 win over DePaul on senior night. Yeah, no problem. As the cleaning crew gets everything cleaned up out here. Um, I wonder how many interruptions we're going to have. Yeah, we're probably going to have a lot tonight, so we apologize in advance for those. Uh, just trying to find a spot where we can make this work. Um, so I guess, John, your initial thoughts. Maybe probably have to segment this up a little bit. First of all, in the game itself, I guess, because it was a pretty... Pretty big one, we think, for Creighton, right? It seems like they're, they're, they kind of have a foolproof resume at this point. No matter what happens going forward, they can't really suffer a bad, crushing resume-crushing loss. We've, right. I feel like it locks them into an at-large bid, um, regardless of how the next two, at least, games go. Um, any more than that, I feel like it's a foregone conclusion for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, they're going to be at least a sixth seed in the, in the Big East tournament, so I guess technically they could face DePaul again or Georgetown. If there's an upset, is that right? I mean, it would be like um, they'd have to win another game. That's what I mean. They'd yeah. win one in the big game. Right. I feel like Before anything. Face yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're right. This is this game is um, the win was important, obviously, to avoid a bad loss, and they did that. I I thought it was important too to just to carry momentum over. You don't want to sure. have um, the ups and downs. Last week was a wild week. You had maybe the season low point against Butler. Um, followed by maybe the high point of the season against Villanova in a span of like four days. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to take another dip. So I thought it was important for Creighton to come out and really put his foot on the gas pedal. And I just like, I mean, I, I think you got to like the way that they approached it. They had a bounce to their step, a lot of energy, and they got the pace going, the tempo going in a manner that they wanted to. DePaul didn't really do much to disrupt them. And uh, and they were able to, you know, kind of cruise. And, and then to start this they hit, hit that wall at the end of the first half and to start the second half they made sure that that DePaul wasn't going to come back into the game by scoring I think it was on their first six possessions of the half and then the fun began after that but yeah. um I thought that I thought the mentality um is wasn't was what was encouraging them the way that the the Jays kind of opened the game and opened the second half in attack mode because that's kind of I feel like what has been it was it was what was missing at times against Marquette. It was missing against Butler, um, and it's it's what Creighton needs to maximize yeah. his potential. And so to see it in a game where you know they knew that they were playing a team that wasn't um, as talented as as Villanova, mm-hmm. but to kind of ha- bring that same mentality, I think that was important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, when you when you look at the way Creighton started up this game. Um, I think offensively, you know, they had some empty possessions where they took some, you know, some shots where the ball wasn't moving as much and they kind of like, you know, the hero shots and they didn't go in. But I thought the defensive intensity never dropped off. You know, they were really hounding Struess. They were, they were making well, things. Kyrie was. Well, I guess yeah, they did. They did no, switch a little bit. Marcus yeah. guarded him quite a bit. They uh, Davion, off on Davion guarded him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Marty, Martin March killed him in, in Chicago, and uh, they really made his night really tough tonight. I yeah. mean, every time he caught, you know, they kind of used what Greg Norick called kind of an unconventional um, double team where they just kind of like came, whoever was whoever was on the passer would just come off and just 
you know, flash the hand, swipe at the ball, do anything to make him kind of uncomfortable. Greg went around, I think, turned to, like, make him freak out a little bit. And it looked like it worked most of the night. I mean, yeah. he couldn't get into any kind of rhythm. He didn't have any time to really back down and, you know, go to any of his post moves that were so effective the first time out. And I thought, you know, Creighton's defense on the guys that can probably hurt you the most matchup-wise for DeVal tonight was was sustained throughout the entire game. And that was important. I mean, you just think about how, what they win by 25. Yep. And... uh March averages 16-ish, and Struess had 14. He, four, Struess averages 17. He had 14 on 15, 15 shots. shots. Yep. So one of that, nine from three. Right. That's uh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good enough. And, and March was at 23 and seven. He had 23 and yeah, 23 on 10 to 16 shooting. Yeah. And Andy, he got well. He kind of got Toby Hayner in foul trouble today, at least in the first half. But he definitely that full that whole game. I don't think Toby really even settled in at DePaul because of. Uh, largely because of Marich, and Marich also in that game took he totally took Epperson out of the yep. game because uh, he was Epperson kind of guard him at the time. So sure. I thought that both of those guys did a better job, uh, just making it tougher to, for him to catch the ball. And then once he got it, I, I remember do you remember in, in practice they were drilling it time and time again. Don't let him go over his left shoulder. Mm-hmm. Don't let he, he likes his left shoulder. Don't let him do that. And uh, I, th- I thought I remember maybe one time he got it. He mm-hmm. got his go to move. Other than that, they did a good job of taking away what he wanted to do and then making him uncomfortable. So four turnovers, I think six points for him was it matched uh, his second lowest output of the season. Uh, the only one he scored less than six points was against uh, Xavier, who has mm-hmm. an army of big men sure. to kind of yeah, match yeah. him. So uh, for Creighton to do that, given you know the deficiencies that we've kind of talked about all year, its limitations all year inside, to, to have such a different um, outcome against this big man, I think, uh, in March, I think was a uh, a commendable feat for the Jays today. And I think I think Creighton really. I think you asked about it in the post game, but it, it, it seemed like early on Creighton was going to push on makes and misses, no matter what. They were going to take the ball if the ball hit a shot. They were going to take the ball right out of the bottom of the cylinder and run, you know, and get going, get that pace up and down, and try to catch DePaul in transition. And really, DePaul's transition defense for the first seven or eight minutes was just atrocious. They, I mean, they had three guys late, you know coming down the court like you know kind of like dragging down to get down there like consistently and Creighton was getting you know there's no way that defense could match up you know find their matchups in time to prevent Creighton from getting good looks like they were just lost I mean Kyrie had an and one in the on the break Davion Mintz got to the foul line Marcus leaked out for a layup uh Taz leaked out for a layup um there were a couple threes where like you were saying DePaul just couldn't find or matchup, it was just yeah. it was there's too much frantic miscommunication, just the inability to, inability to get organized, and they they left shooters open. And I, when Ballack hit that three to put, I think at that point we put Creighton up 16 or 15 mm-hmm. um, with about six minutes left in the first half. Lado called a timeout, and I'm, I'm guessing at that point he was just fed up because you know yeah. uh, the, the Jays had been rolling. They weren't doing anything to stop it. Yeah, and right in the ball. The only, the only, the only the like, saving grace for DePaul is. You know, when Kyrie Thomas picked up a second foul, you kind of—I think he sat for the last six minutes, maybe the last five, five minutes. minutes. Okay. Five minutes of the first half, yeah. And that's when DePaul went on a nine-two run. Creighton only scored two points for the last five and a half minutes, yeah. and they missed eight of nine shots down the stretch. Uh, and that—and it was also DePaul had some long possessions too, because they were able to get some offensive rebounds, yep. keep that ball alive. You know, Kyrie had eight rebounds tonight, so with him off the floor, 
Um, DePaul kind of had their way physically in the interior and was able to, you know, kind of like chip into that big lead for a little bit. It's, it's, it's not exactly that same stretch, but I think I, I charted it at the final eight minutes of the first half. DePaul had five of its six first half offensive rebounds, oh, okay. so it had six yeah. offensive re- it had one offensive rebound for the first twelve minutes of the of the first half, and then for the final eight minutes, it got five. And so I think I think that was one of the biggest keys. You know, because I asked Coach McDermott about the the pace and transition, and he said, "Hey." That doesn't start unless we get the board. Yeah. And so I thought maybe in that stretch at the end of the first half, they weren't as effective on the glass. Certainly and, not. and some of that was un- unlucky. I mean, I think it a, few like of those, that, right? a few of those balls they were just, just got all over tapped the out and mm-hmm. bounced to the wrong spot for Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I mean, those are 50-50 balls. You want to try to win those, obviously, as, more, yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. And um, So that probably contributed to, contributed, contributed to it as well. But... Um, yeah, the way that Creighton started the second half was kind of enough to deliver the dagger, and then and then they could celebrate. Um, Kerry Thomason, that was I mean we've kind of talked about him a little bit here, but he was pretty incredible. And we we kind of bounced the idea off of each other. Do you think? Do you think he's stepping out of the court tonight with the idea in the back of his head that this might be the last time he gets to play in Omaha, um, given you know his where he's fallen on mock drafts, what he's potentially you know the the scouts that are coming to see him, and you know we talked to, to him after uh, the Villanova game, and right over our shoulders the whole time. There was, was a scout well, there. Yeah, just yeah. And, and you know, kind of. Just, I guess I'm trying to like. You know, they were probably trying to figure out what his demeanor's like after a game like that. And, yeah. You know, so it seems like they're really t- doing a deep dive into what this guy will be like as an, at the NBA level. So he's, you know, it seems like he's solidly in the first round. Probably not, you know, a lottery pick, but. You know, he's. I haven't seen many that have him out of the first round at this right. point, which, you know, you, you hear it a lot. If you know from Anthony Tolliver, who is one of the most successful um, NBA players around, not in terms of NBA skill, but in terms of just business savvy, and you know, he's he's part of the players' union. I think he's the president of the players' union, actually, isn't he? Didn't he just get? Uh, Did he get it? I thought he just got a promotion. He might have been president of the players' union, but he's the president of maybe the some finance financial wing of it. Um, and his his thing is always if you're guaranteed to be in the first round, you have to go because that's just the opportunity you can't pass up. That there's no more there's no uncertainty about it. You have to take that chance. Um, so I you know we wondered if this if this was in the back of his mind um, that this might be his last game in Omaha. And before we got a chance to ask him, it certainly looked like he played that way, don't you think? I, I mean. It's it yes and no because he always plays like that. You know, it's like no, he doesn't yeah, always ha- he doesn't always point. come close to um, recording a triple double, mm-hmm. which he had sixteen, eight and eight, and then five steals. I mean, it it's was an unbelievable line. Like, <laughs> right, it was an incredible performance by him. Sixteen points on eight shots too, and only one turnover. And he did it all in thirty minutes. He was in foul right. trouble. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what like, I mean? What that's, if he wasn't in foul that's, trouble? That's crazy. Um, Anthony Tolliver, by the way, is vice president to the MBPA secretary treasurer. Okay. So that's quite the title, but yeah, he has an influential role. Anyway, back to Taz. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure he thought about it. There's no way he did it. I mean, there's it's no, human nature. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. And but he, you know, he was kind of coy about it after. He the, was. But that's kind of Kyrie's nature. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily one to. Um, I mean, he'll, he's not afraid to step in the spotlight, but he doesn't really want to acknowledge that he's there. Mm-mm. He's just like, let me just put my head down and work. Like, you guys enjoy the show, but I don't really want to talk about it. I yeah. mean, just let me do my thing and, and um, you know, let's move on from there. So, 
but I thought it was really cool that the fans kind of serenaded him at the end with the one more year chant, mm-hmm. even though it's, you know, I mean, I'm sure it, he appreciates it. He didn't really necessarily want to acknowledge it. Like I said, that's just his nature, but um, it's kind of a cool sort of thank you. Mm-hmm. If uh, it is their if, last if chance it to is, do it. Yeah, yeah. If it is indeed their last No doubt. It, so, you know, he's kind of in that. He's kind of in. It feels like he's in a similar position to Doug. I don't remember what Doug's, you know, draft projections were like after his junior year, but, um, you know, everybody went into that Wichita State game. Well, first of all, the Wichita State game was winner gets the MVC title. So it was like a big game in general. Um, but it being senior day and Doug was a junior and he was kind of like, you know, there was a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about if it's his last one or not. And he, you know, he comes out and scores 41. They win the MVC title. They beat Wichita State, their rival. And it, you know, the one more year chance started with that. You know, right. you could hear him throughout the crowd. And it, it felt it felt like some of the it, – it took me back to that. It felt like the same moment. It does kind of feel similar, though, because, you know, Doug, one of the – it wasn't Doug. You'll have to correct me because obviously I wasn't around the team at the time. But one of the re- main reasons why he came back is because of just, like – the experience of it all, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like being a college athlete, playing for his dad. And the Big East was a big factor too. The oh. fact that he got to challenge himself in okay. that league. So. Challenge himself in that league. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he probably knew that he wasn't going to necessarily um, elevate his draft stock considerably, right? I mean, right. he probably wouldn't hurt it, but he wouldn't necessarily. I mean, he's kind of going to. He be, ended up doing. He ended, he ended up, up helping he, it. He ended up well, helping I mean, his draft shoot, stock by he, playing in the Big East because he, he had his best season ever. But. Right, and then he ended up like just cementing himself as one of the best college players of all time. Right. Um, which is, I'm imagining, another reason why he wanted to, to come back. Mm-hmm. But Kyrie has, I mean, it's kind of similar in that, you know, if he, if he, I guess one of the reasons why, or one of the factors that might pull him back to Creighton is that sort of family mm-hmm. um, experience factor of, like, just being here in his hometown and playing for a team that he, you know, grew up thinking I'll never be good enough to play for him, and then all of a sudden I'm Which I am is, playing for him. That is still the funniest story. Every time Mac tells that, don't you just get a kick out of like? Yeah, I remember talking about, about Kyrie's aw shucks. Like, can, yeah. you can picture that, can't you? No like, doubt. I remember him telling me about how he used to they used to play pickup with the Creighton guys and thinking that he couldn't hang with them. Mm-hmm. He, I think, I think he told the story once where he got screened by Greg, Gregory Etchenike, and it was wow. just like, yeah, I don't like you. I'm not going to ever be here, you know, <laughs> like it was just, but, uh, yeah, he's come a long way, obviously. And mm. as uh, you know, a credit to him for all the hard work he has put in, but yeah, I mean what he did tonight, it's just, it, to me, it just felt like typical Kyrie. It I was mean, the full, but the full gamut was on display at no a, doubt, a yeah. really high level. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there was not, you know, defensively his intensity was insane. Rebounding, he was flying, you know, getting flying for rebounds, uh, getting out on the break, finding guys. Yeah. I mean, the assist the assist to ratio is what was it? I eight to one. It's eight insane. One. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was just setting guys up left and right. Uh, it was just it was those like, first like uh, three minutes of the second half where yeah. he's like. He go they, they call play for him. He goes one on one on the block. Gets a bucket. Gets fouled the next time. Gets a free throw. Um, creates a shot for, uh, for Toby. Maybe it was created a three and then found him for a layup mm-hmm. the next time down. I mean, that's that was a pretty impressive stretch. And then it was. and then while he's doing that, by the way, on the other end, he's running around chasing Max uh, Struess around trying to make sure he doesn't get an open jumper. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fighting made, through he's, screens and all that he's kind made of stuff. Him miserable in two games, I think. Seven for twenty-six is what Struess is against Creighton this year. I mean, wow, that's uh, one of the best scorers in the Big East this year right now. And you know, it's it's I, I 
there's one game left, so unless Marcus Howard drops 50 or 60 on Kyrie, like, I feel like that he's the sole, you know, I haven't been very good on predictions this year for individuals. We'll find that out tomorrow. But, uh, um, and I feel like the Defensive Player of the Year award is his. Seems like. I don't see, I don't see why it should be shared. I mean, like. I just feel like his defensive intensity is at a different level than everybody else's, and his assignments. Yeah, like, he definitely doesn't get a night off, especially yeah. in this league with all the talented scorers that there are. Um, but to me, it's it's the best collection of just pure individual scoring talent um, of any league in the country. This, yeah. this the Big East is a lot of really good certainly make a really and, strong argument and veteran yeah. scorers. I mean, the guys that can just fill it up. Yeah. So. And he's got to go against these guys every night. Every night. So it, Some of them that are bigger than him, like they have four inches, they've got, yeah. you know, 15, 20 pounds. Like the matchups don't always look the greatest, but, you know, from essentially from point guard to to undersized four man, he can guard it. Yeah. Which is why NBA scouts love him. And um, frankly, what makes. What, what gives. He gives Creighton's defense some teeth because of what he can take away from the opposing team. It gives Creighton a fighting chance on that end. Yeah when they're mostly undersized at every single position and, and, across the board. And just think about the message that he's sending on a you know, possession-by-possession possession basis, how hard he's working. Yeah, we talked about the ripple effect before. Right, yeah. like guys feed off that. There's no way you can't. Right. And um, I, th- I think he's done a really good job of stepping into a leadership role because not only is he playing with a lot of effort and just sort of working hard, but he's also demanding it of his teammates too. Um I think that he's tried his best to and, and not be like not malicious about it but just sort of like it's more kind of like hey you can kind of building guys up like mm-hmm. trying to encourage them to to do a little bit more to work a little bit harder and uh, to be more assignment sound which um, two years ago even a year ago he wasn't like that who who said it might have been Marcus Foster or maybe it was Maurice Watson last year it was like late in the season when Kyrie Thomas spoke up in the huddle and was like, "What? I never yeah. even heard him talk before right. in a game or something That's, like that." Yeah. It was it was funny. Um, he was he definitely really quiet uh, to himself, just kind of like like I said, kind of put the head down and go to work type of right. guy. But he's um, he's his personality is sort of transformed and evolved, and it's been a major plus for this team mm-hmm. from a leadership standpoint. I'll let you uh, tee this one up first. Um, just your thoughts on on senior night and the group. Um, and the, re- I, the reason I ask is because it just feels like a really, you know, I mean, you cover a lot of senior nights, and we certainly have seen different types of uh, stories up there, you know, throughout all the different sports. Tonight felt like one of the most unique when you look at what – I mean, Manny Suarez went first, Division II senior transfer. You know what I mean? Taking his last chance at playing at the Division I level. Um, Tyler Clement, the walk-on, you know, former redshirt, uh, straight-A student, getting his master's for crying out loud. Um, but the guy who just, like, is the coach on the floor, runs the scout team, and, you know, Toby Hegner, all the things he's going through with his physical ailments and certainly the emotional toll that his mom's illness has had on him over the last month. Um, and Marcus Foster, who's kind of like, you know, dismissed from his chance at, you know, his first chance at making the NBA as far as a one and done goes, and you know, kind of having to deal with that and mature, and you know, it's just a, it was a really unique group across the board, and I just wonder, you know, kind of what some of your takeaways were as you heard them kind of tell 
you know, their abbreviated stories and thank the the people that were influential in getting to them to the point tonight where they could, you know, uh, you know play Division One basketball for the last time as seniors. Yeah, so you got a grad transfer, or another mid-year transfer, a walk-on, and kind of a grizzled vet. Yes. <laughs> who's been Very through a nice. ton. He is looking a little grizzly with that beard right now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it, I mean, see, the thing uh, that strikes me about the group, and it's, it's, I mean, I throw, uh, I was going to say, I throw Kyrie Thomas in, in this as well, but like, I, I don't know, it, they, the tone they've set since the start of the year has just yeah. been, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but when you see it, and you see this sort of like, collective, um, team first approach that um you know that they're these guys are confident players so they're confident in themselves they they believe that they can accomplish something mm-hmm. uh they believe they're worthy of playing time they wanted you know they they spent all offseason working to get a role on this team ideally a role that means i'm out on the floor for 20 to 30 minutes and um you know having fun and showing showcasing what i can do but mm-hmm. As soon as as soon as practice started, it was kind of just like a um, this immediate shift in. It, yeah, yeah. I spent the last three months working on my game, but this is about what we can accomplish as a team, and and let's just see what what's let's try to see what what we can do as a group, and and hopefully that means as as an individual, I'll be fulfilled if I put my focus in that or my I set my gaze on that 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 mm. we're uh we're working for something bigger so so, so I, that's I that you, wrote, is, you wrote about the leadership of the group and the way they lead um coming into this this game tonight and I guess just from your experience of 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 telling the the senior night stories the senior day stories in various sports and different different schools different beats what stuck out to you the most about when you got done crafting that story, and when you know you kind of got put that thing out, and you were just you kind of just thought over it, and it did it feel like this is, you know, not different in terms of what they can do going forward, but different in terms of just how they've done it up to this point. I just feel like that they're gonna leave, they're gonna end this year, no matter where they, and you know, fans, it'll it won't, fans won't feel this, but I feel like the players will end this year thinking that. Man, that was an awesome experience. Like that, they got yeah. out of they got out of this experience everything that they could, and it was because they um, they were so unified in their purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I just I think about sitting in practice one day, and Ronnie and and Marcus are sitting next to me talking about a play or something, and Jacob Epperson is is just gotten sort of like reprimanded or talked to by the coaches and. You know, got pulled, talked to, hey, can't got to do this, this, and this. And then Marcus is like, hey, I'm going to go talk to Jake for a second. After the coaches got done with him, they they left him, and he's just standing there. And Mark's like, well, let me go talk to Jake. You know, just like there's always – just seems like Marcus, all those guys have always had this, like um, – they're conscious of, of what kind of impact they can have on the, on the younger guys and the rest of the players on the team. But yep. it, it, it's – um, 
it just seems like that's it's always at the front of their mind like how how can i help this person or how can i build this person how can i prepare this person for something down the road that they're eventually going to face i don't know what it is but it's something that they maybe they need to pick me up here or just a word of encouragement or um, some guidance some tips and uh they do it at the expense of their own sort of comfort or um you know i i guess at the expense of their own some marcus is pretty outgoing by nature but uh maybe tyler toby uh kyrie thomas those guys have been less uh and through the course of their careers less vocal but they've kind of blossomed out of their shell Mm -hmm. um involved all that but yeah i i I don't know i think the selflessness it's just the selflessness of this group that i think um, which is kind of cliche to say because that's you know every team has an element of selflessness, or else it's it's just going to crumble. Yeah, not you wouldn't be successful if you weren't. Right, yeah. but uh, I think that um, I mean when you think about a guy like Tyler Clement who will play, he won't play for five games yet during that entire stretch in practice, he's working just as hard as anybody else, yeah. trying to give the starters a good look as, as the scout team, um, quote unquote captain. I don't know if they actually name a captain for the scout team but he's the guy who runs the show there and and um knows the, the opponent's plays inside and out but then after five games of sitting and just kind of being a cheerleader on the bench and encourager and a motivator starting to inspire then all of a sudden he gets thrown in and he's got to be like ready to play and battle with some guys who are quicker and maybe bigger and maybe stronger than him mm-hmm. um but still put the team in a good spot and uh so i don't know it just seems like this, this yeah. all all these guys have um, kind of had to adjust and adapt their personalities or maybe even their game a little bit to best fit what the team needs. Um, and it's one of the reasons why Creighton's in – it's one of the reasons why Creighton has exceeded, I think, a lot of people's expectations this year yeah, um, and is in the position where it is, where it has a chance to to make a nice run in March. We'll see. Yeah, it's just one of those – I, I just can't – I can't tie – I can't compare it to any other – group and it's not in terms of trying to say this this is this is better than this and that's better than that therefore the results should be you know historic type of deal I'm not trying to like paint that type of picture it's just one of those things where I don't feel like any of the four I feel like it would have been easy for any of those four that were up there to be somewhere else tonight it just yeah that's that's that's, actually a good point you know what I'm saying like it doesn't feel like any of that fit from A to Z. It's just like somewhere along the line yeah. they found themselves there. Right, cuz here like, and then okay, that's so where Toby had he had a, he had struggles. Well, he joked about it with us when he was talking to us a couple days ago about redshirt year. Yeah. How tough that was, but I'm sure that he was mentally um battling his freshman after his freshman year, maybe his sophomore year was tough for him. I was not on the beat, but it just seemed like um, you know, he didn't perform to the level that he wanted to, so mm-hmm. that could have been a moment. Tyler Clement wasn't getting playing time as much. Um, maybe as much as he thought he could have earned, he could have gone somewhere. Marcus Foster didn't have to stay for his senior year. Manny Suarez, shoot, could have been at Adelphi. He could yeah. have been anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. I mean, that's, that's a really good point that you said that all four of these guys, um, how easy it would have been if they maybe if they had been oriented in a different way from a personality standpoint. Um, how easy it would have been to, for them to not be yeah. at, on this court in this moment being a part of this team and mm-hmm. each of them having an important role even though some of them don't necessarily play um, or produce at, at a high level. Well, that's, still, that's, that's the basis. other thing but that they, I think Mac mentioned tonight too. It's like it's, it's, it's different roles, but like each one of them is vital in 
in the way what that it forms do. the collective yeah. team. You know what I mean? Because obviously Marcus is a star. Tyler's the walk-on uh, scout team um, coach on the floor type. Gets everything organized. Gives the guys the best look they're going to face. Uh, you know, Toby's the veteran who. By the know, way, Kyrie Thomas. When I was talking to him yesterday, he called Tyler the backbone of the team. It feels like it when you. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. Sorry to interrupt, that's, but no, I, no, you're, I knew you were just no, you're describing right, yeah. these guys' I mean, role. But but. That's the, for, for Tyler, that's what I feel like he is because you watch him in practice and he just – there's nothing he doesn't know is coming. And I don't know how to – I don't know if I'm describing that well for everybody that's listening, but there's nothing that surprises him, you know. And it's, it, there, there are so many times, like in the hundreds, just this season alone where where coaches have gotten – this certain set wrong on the side of the floor and Tyler's like no it's there it's there. like it's unbelievable how in tune he is with what's supposed to be happening on the floor and and with where everybody's supposed to be at the, that's why the guys like playing with him on the floor they they've said it from the start when he's on the floor the offense moves different because he knows where we're supposed to be and he knows where he's supposed to be and one through five, everybody, if they're in the wrong spot, you know, you just like the organization he has and the way he keeps it all together in his head. Not to mention what he does off the floor and in the classroom, getting himself to the point where he's getting a master's in finance, you know, and like, With you know, like a ne- perfect GPA. Straight A's, yeah. like he's never gotten less than an A. Like it's un- unreal. I mean, I don't yeah. think he gets, he certainly doesn't get appreciated to the level that he should considering all that he's accomplished. And, you know, I know you, as sports fans, people will look at it statistically in terms of basketball but it's just it goes his value goes beyond all that you can look for in any box score um i think that's what makes him so valuable to this group because he's there's no one like him you know what i mean so yeah it makes perfect sense that that someone like Kyrie would describe him like that because that's what it feels like when you watch them prepare game in and game out you know it seems like he's the default that keeps it all right, and it's hard. It, and it's hard to like characterize that. Just for me, as somebody who's trying to tell the story of the team, like it's it's sort of hard to document it because again, yeah. you don't have the stats. You can't say, um, well, DePaul scored fifty-seven points because Tyler Clement ran the scout team. <laughs> like yeah. it, you yeah. can, there's, it's hard to correlate that to that fact. Right. But I mean, his impact in practice on a daily basis is is a reason why Creighton's at where it is. Because then you're then you're then we're at the position of we're telling a. We're telling Tyler's story, but we're only doing it in cliche. And yeah, it's kind of right. like, well, of course, everybody, you know, everybody loves the backup. Everybody loves yeah. the walk-on. Like they're always the, you know. But that's, it's, 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 it's not, it's not disingenuous in any way. Like he truly is um, one of the more valuable parts of this team, uh, despite what doesn't show up statistically. So it's, um, you know, it's just neat to see them all have that moment because it gets real here in terms of basketball. I mean, they have to go to Milwaukee, yep. uh, play a Marquette team that's playing for their lives. I know we're tr- kind of transitioning back to, like, the sports part of it, but um, – and then they go to New York where, you know, there's a lot of – there's a lot of big parts of this team last year that um, isn't happy with the way the season ended last year. You know, they, they made it all the way to the Big East tournament title and lost to Villanova, which isn't bad, but that team didn't want to lose to Villanova. You know, they got all the way to that point and they wanted to win it. Um, and then Rhode Island, um, they just kind of didn't have anything left at the end of the season, it seemed like. Uh, and I think this team, regardless of the injuries to Martin Crample and um, and what they've had to deal with, I think they still have the goals in their head of 
we can be better than where we were at last year's point at this point, you know. Right. And I think it started with Saturday, yeah. you know, proving to themselves that whatever it takes, that whatever it takes mentality, um, every possession. Because, you know, we, we talked about it on Saturday, 68-60 with four and a half minutes against, left against Villanova is not something to easily overcome. You kind of have to dig deep, you know, inside of each one of them and find something that's extra in there because it's going to take an extraordinary effort to overcome that and be successful because Villanova doesn't let you do that. Um, so I think that proved a lot to themselves. And, if, you know, for them to be able to carry that forward, they weren't really peaking last year at this point. So for them to kind of be building some momentum going forward, if they get the win in Milwaukee, what does it feel like that team can accomplish at right. that point? You know, that feels like it might be a scary team that's getting right at the at the right time. That's exactly the right time, yeah. Yeah, they show, it, last year was so difficult because they um, – they just sort of lost that. They sort of, I felt like they lost their edge a little bit, yeah. and and they were they were searching. They didn't were searching feel like they were something. planning for a big pitch. I felt like they were just doing whatever it took to win today. Today, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and you know, I think one of the benefits, honestly, is having these four seniors and a guy like Kyrie Thomas, who maybe maybe experiencing what they did last year, going through that, like you kind of said, as a motivator, mm-hmm. but also just as lesson learned. Hey, this is. This is what kind of played us, or maybe hampered us, or limited us last year. Um, let's try to use those lessons to our advantage this season. After uh, obviously experiencing another terrible injury, mm-hmm. uh, losing a, a key contributor for the season. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think one of the things that stands out to me is like this team, just sort of the way it began the year from a um, attitude standpoint sort of embraced its flaws and said like we know that we're gonna be weak here here and here okay so we have to be better in these in these spots and they've kind of at times they go they go away from it you know at times they lose their edge defensively or their their focus their effort um at times the passes aren't as crisp offensively they're not sharing the ball as much but they know i mean it, it to, i guess because they spent so much time ingraining those ideals in into their minds like can't turn the ball over you know we got to rebound uh we got to move the ball we got to play with focus and and effort defensively they spent so much time during the or during the preseason and offseason talking about those kinds of stuff that i think Mm -hmm. it's easier to kind of draw it out of them now um because and they, I didn't feel good about this team in the preseason. I don't know if we I don't, I don't remember if we went into a deep dive about it, but I just I felt like there we, were a lot of holes. Yeah. That were going to be difficult to fill with just right. acknowledging that they're holes. You know what I mean? Like that they were they were they were glaring weaknesses. No doubt. Um, and it, for them to be at this point, and considering they're shorthanded on top of it, I mean, it's kind of like we haven't talked about it as much because they've played so well. But they're without their Martin Crample, obviously. And Ronnie Harrell Jr. Like, yeah. those are two huge pieces. Regardless of what we thought they could be, those were two huge pieces to whatever we thought they could be. So to be without them and to do what they did the last two games, it, I mean, how much fight they had, how much you know, how much intensity they had, how much you know, how good the execution was, right. you know, how it's it's kind of they just they it doesn't seem like they had any of the growing pains that they had last year when the injury happened. And it's like, I just think what do we they, do now? Like yeah, now they just, just like you know like, what, whatever. One, move I, I guess I don't know if I'm making my point clear enough, but I feel like one of the things about last year's team is because they were they were rolling on such a high level, yeah, um, that they hadn't experienced sort of that, they hadn't experienced that 
gut check dose of reality of like holy crap we need we do need to focus like the little things do matter because they were just on such a and I'm, I guess it's maybe that's not completely fair because they did have veterans on that group and I'm sure that they stressed for a lot of the year um you know, to, to focus on the no, on the fun. But it, you know what I'm saying, though. It's well, like when you think about it, Justin Patton was a breakout player. Kyrie Thomas was a breakout player. Um, Marcus Foster was his first year playing after yeah. coming. You know, like those are three very important pieces that are f- trying to find themselves. You know, at that point, they don't really know what they're supposed to be and the, at the division one right. level. So, like, like now, and then they had so much. But they had so much success. And they just had so much success early on that they didn't have. I mean, you feel like it wasn't like it was earned, but it wasn't like earned through well, maybe the, just not the trials and tri- yeah. Like they didn't yeah. realize how how fortunate they were, maybe, or, or how hard it w- was to get to that point. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I might be. I, I see what you're trying to say. I understand what you mean. Like it's difficult to put into words, but I, I understand. What I, I just think that this year's team has benefit benefited from sort of that um, um, that idea that when they entered they entered the season, they knew that things might be difficult that there might be growing pains mm-hmm. and so they really had to dial in and zero in on um on, on some of the details the finer points of the game or else they were just going to get rolled like they, they, they're kind of like through the fire at this point whereas last year they were you know they they were out they were above the fire for a long time exactly. and then, then all of a sudden they got dropped in it exactly like, holy crap yeah how do we how do we <laughs> how do we find out this yeah where's our leader all and, this stuff right, and was, yeah and then the off the court things like that it, yeah. just, it just it kind of just snowballed I know it's a bad analogy to use for fire, but it, it, it uh, you know, it got out of control, and there yeah. wasn't anything in place to to catch it. Right. It looked like they had stabilized it by the end of the year, um, where they had found some things that they could lean on because the Big East tournament. But didn't you feel like they were so exhausted by just trying to do that at the point? Perhaps. Like they got to the point where it's like, you know, right. I mean, that Xavier game was just a war of attrition. The Villanova game clearly looked like they had nothing left, and then Rhode Island just punched them. And it's like that was they those, jumped on them, yeah. those were the worst possible three. Those were the, 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 in terms of like each matchup being tougher than the next, like just in, in the way they'll challenge right. you uh, from what you know. Here's how you have to be successful. What you have to fight through. I think this group is better suited um, to face that because they know what it's like. And they're, they're probably gonna, and they're probably going to see it, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, like you go to the Big East tournament if you are where you want to be on Saturday, um, winning your first two games like those games are not going to be easy and they're going to be incredibly draining because mm-hmm. um, it's going to take your I mean you're going to have to unleash or let like put forth all of your emotional your mental and physical like you're going to tap into all those reservoirs mm-hmm. like when you get done with those games you're not you're going to have nothing left and then you're going to come back and do it tomorrow the next day and then the next day if that's what if Creighton wants to get where it wants to get right no and then right. yeah. and then obviously the NCAA tournament after that so they'll be they'll they'll be tested but I think like you I think kind of like what we're saying is like they just seem to be in a better spot right now um to take from on a those mental, from a mental regardless like, of their success the but... way it the way the team's built yeah, um, like I don't know how last year's team would have handled three straight losses and a blowout to Butler. Yeah, that, that might have been I mean, tough. Yeah, with Vill- with Villanova coming, because like the last year's with team Villanova wasn't, coming in, the yeah. last year's team wasn't tough enough to to handle Villanova when it needed to be tough enough to handle Villanova. 
you know, and what this team did on Saturday was something that last year's team never did, yeah. right? I mean, can you even think? I mean, maybe Xavier. Their Xavier game. In that, that, that was a, maybe. Impress, well, I was going to say, I, that maybe the Butler game, they won that, but I don't know if that was necessarily. Yeah, that one felt like a matchup one. Yeah. Didn't it? But I just felt like a lot, you think about a lot of the games they lost, um, second halves against Providence here, against Xavier here at Seton Hall there, like those three games, close games that they had leads in in the second half where they just kind of get over the hump. Uh, but I'd be really curious to see if they fall into a spot where where Rhode Island is waiting for them at some point. Or a team like Rhode Island? A team, yeah, certainly a team like Rhode Island. Just yeah. to see how this year's group measures up against that type of test right. on what? You know, two, three days notice with travel. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, because because to prepare for that, it seemed like they really overhauled everything. They had to try to like prepare. They just tried to prepare the team so much for the physicality that they were going to face. We we you know we wrote about it before the game. Like, they essentially went to war in practice to prepare themselves for how physical that yeah. game was going to be, and they still weren't ready for it. Right. Like, I feel like it doesn't. I feel like the gap is narrowed to the point where you don't have to spend. You don't have to turn foot practice That's into the a hope. Foot, that's what, yeah, right, right. I'm curious, but right. I think, I feel like this team can ratchet up the toughness category easier than last year's group could. Yeah. So, um, a couple individuals that are kind of coming on, uh, Tyson Alexander was really big tonight, and he kinda, he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle because it's senior night, and Kyrie was also the best player on the floor, but you know, they're down 9-8 to eight when Tyson comes in, and he scores five quick ones. Like, you know, he's like a go-to scorer, made a play for Mitch to get him a three. Um, you know, I thought all the fre- both, all three freshmen were really good tonight, and Jacob continues to look better. But I guess, uh, you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll tackle them all at one or one, two, and three. Which one do you want first? But which one stands out to you as far as these last two games where um, you've kind of been impressed by? Well, what I'm, you're seeing when, at a moment when usually this is when the freshman wall hits. Right. You know what I mean? Usually this is when, like, the performances go into the tank and – you don't see another level. It seems like they're all three reaching a different level. Yeah. Um, um, I feel like what Mitch Ballack has given Creighton has obviously been important with Ronnie out because he's been tough enough at the four, um, active on the glass, being able to push tempo and hurt teams um, in that way. Yeah. Man, he sees the floor so well, and it just seems like he's found an, an, another level of comfort with a ball in his hands. Yeah. I mean it's but why I, I thought it, he it's why I thought he had a shot at at you know, landing in that point guard spot yeah. in the offseason just cuz like his his instincts you don't teach those to people. You know, he, he he's able to pace himself a little bit. Although Mac tells him to slow it down a lot more than he does, but he has one speed, but it feels like he sees the game at that speed. So funny at the toward the second end of the second half when Mac is yelling, "Easy, easy, easy." Mitch is like, "Nah. No. We're going." It throws a lob to Kyrie Thomas for a layup. Yeah. It was a layup alley-oop style mm-hmm. lob, but, um, yeah, I, I mean. He sees the game at that speed, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? How, like, many, how tell, many assists does he, he have He had five now? and only one turnover. Right, and, and, and against Nova, he had eight. Se- eight? Mm-hmm. So 13 assists in, in two three, games. Three turnovers, I think, is total That's two games. Yeah. That's more of what he, like, what he has done the last two games is more of what we saw in practice yeah. a lot in the preseason and early in the year. Um, he got away from it a little bit. Maybe just kind of overwhelmed with a lot of the, the 
responsibilities. I mean, it felt like he settled himself into being a shooter. He did, yeah. Like, I'm, I have to play off of these. I have to play off these amazing right. upperclassmen. I just got to hit a three every now and then, and you know, play defense. That's right. every time you talk to him, he's like, I just got to hit my open shots and play D. And I wonder if it's it's helped him just playing at the four spot, knowing that you kind of have that freedom to. And maybe you know that you kind of have a little bit of a mismatch because the other team is not guarding you with the guard, right? Yeah, like yeah. You, you're when you're on offense, you have like maybe a uh, a faster first step than the guy who's defending you. Oh, and, certainly. Um, I mean, he was putting McCallum on skates tonight <laughs> yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just thought I think he, he <coughs> I think it was also important, by the way, that that Tyshawn hit some shots. I mean, he was open. I feel like how many times this year is yeah, five for eight from the field, three for six from three. In, in Big East uh, play, how many times is he? First four, right? First three at least. Um, how, how and maybe first four? Field four, goals. four for four yeah. field goal, three for three. Three for three. three. Yeah. 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 How many times in the Big East in Big East play has Tyshawn had like one of those open shots, maybe from the corner or the wing on in transition, kind of a moment when you think, hey, this could be a big shot, and it just doesn't go down, in and out, you know, spins halfway down and just like I just think from a confidence standpoint it was important for him to knock down some shots and in meaningful in a meaningful stretch too you know what I'm saying like when Creighton DePaul was still in the game at that point and he helped Creighton build a lead Mm -hmm. um, by making like you said five quick points when he first came in and then maybe like three or four minutes later he hit back-to-back threes um, which helped that was kind of during the stretch when Creighton was pushing or stretching his lead to at 17 at one point so yeah, all the freshmen um, have had their moments. Uh, just... I thought Jacob was a lot better tonight than he was at the Oh, there's the no question about that. <laughs> I mean, he, he got manhandled, and it looked like he was about ready to quit, like basketball for life. <laughs> it was that It was that much. It took that much of a it, – it looked like it was that much of a wake-up call, like how it looked like he was almost almost panicking a little bit, like I have no shot to guard this person. And tonight I thought, you know, they, they, they certainly, from a team standpoint, uh, from a scheme standpoint, they guarded it march differently tonight but i also thought jacob had some really good box outs went and got the ball like you know he wasn't it didn't it seemed like he closed the his, gap I a little his bit rebounding was what stood out to me just his ability to to fight on those box outs yeah and to, to hold his ground stand his ground and then go get the ball i guess it's one thing you can spend so much time like sh- shoving and uh, getting like hip checking and like getting your body positioned the right way so you don't just get shoved off the block mm-hmm. when the ball's in the air. But then uh, being able to react and get off the floor and go get the ball, I, I just I just like the way that he grabs and boards, and yeah. that's that. I mean, that was not there uh, yeah, no. a month ago. So that more than anything I, is is progress. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, Shoot, it may not have even been there ten days ago against Marquette. Um, so maybe this Marquette game uh, on Saturday will be uh, a good indicator yeah, of his growth or or, or his lack of growth. I mean, maybe um, maybe there is a uh, a drop off coming, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, good segue into the Marquette game. That's what's next to Milwaukee on Saturday, right? Saturday yep. Afternoon. Saturday. Saturday afternoon, regular season finale. Um, we'll actually both be there. That's a unique situation. Uh, I'm gonna get a train up from Chicago because the women don't play till Sunday. So, nice. Um, yeah, which will be cool because it's the last game at the Bradley Center. It will be. And when I went last year, I I was kind of like surprised at how um, at the atmosphere in the arena because there's times when I'm watching on TV and Marquette's got like half the lower bowl field. So like when it fills up, the buzz 
sustains itself. I was really surprised. It'll be senior day, so I'd imagine. I, I mean, senior day for Rousey. Rousey, yeah, it's um, only one senior, right? I think so. Yep, one senior and one manager. That, I would there, I would imagine know. that they'd get a decent crowd, especially thinking, hey, this win could help propel us into the NCAA tournament, well, come out and support us. Yeah. It's final game in the Bradley Center, at least for Marquette. I, imagine, I bet the Bucks. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. The Bucks still play there. Yeah. But um, so you think if they have a good crowd, I mean, their student section is huge. Yes. Like, they got a big – I mean, the it biggest, goes all the way up to – The second deck, yeah. right? Yeah. They've got the biggest student section in the in the in the conference, and so yeah. if those guys, if the students are there, like they contributed to the atmosphere last year, um, that place was as as rocking as any place that Creighton played at last season, and so if they're there, um, and Marquette starts hitting some shots and that crowd starts get, gets going, I mean yeah. it could be a tough atmosphere for Creighton. Um, do you think? But, it's, do you think it's, it's tough to say? Like. I don't want to put you on a win or loss, like on um, having to predict a win or loss, but maybe what's important uh, for Creighton to do to feel good about where they ended the season going into New York? Because I just think maintaining their that that edge, that edge defensively more than anything. Yeah. Like they're so they they've been so connected as a team. Think about how many moments against Marquette. Um, when they either one on one scoring situation, a guy driving to the rim, and there's it's just a straight path to the bucket, yeah. and it's a layup because maybe they got beat off the dribble, and that was and you know you gave up a you gave up a layup, and obviously you don't want to get beat off the dribble, but there's contingencies within Creighton's defensive system to help um, help the defense recover from that sort of scenario. That's mm-hmm. that's not what you want ideally you stay in front of the dribbler but if you get beat there's help um and sometimes you can you can shade shade a guy to the help yeah and i just felt like that whole the whole system that whole um five men working together as a unit it was not there against marquette it was there against Novman. it was there against DePaul. and so i think it's just important to keep that going if marquette comes out and shoots 60 percent and it's still there i mean i don't think that that's going to happen if if creighton's playing with that uh, connectivity and focus that we've it's shown over the past few days. I don't think Marquette shoots sixty, but if they do, because they've got incredible shooters. Sam Hauser was seven of eight from three or whatever he was, he was amazing the other night, against yeah. Georgetown, hitting like step back shots um, as a six eight six nine guy. Like I don't know how you defend that. Mm-hmm. Rousey um, is so clever with the dribble and pull ups. Um, Howard, if you give him any space, he's going to bury a shot. Um, if they shoot shoot it well, then you just kind of tip your hat right and say that ah, they're night. But I think. If if Creighton's able to um, to carry over, uh, you know what it's shown defensively the last two games. I don't think it's that's. I guess that's my point is I don't think Marquette will do that. Yeah. Um, and and to me that's that's what's most important. More important than necessarily getting the win is is making sure that um, the team that shows up on Saturday resembles the team that's played on Tuesday. But or played tonight here at CenturyLink and played on Saturday against Villanova. Like when you turn on the film and you watch a clip from Nova and a clip from DePaul, it better match the clip from Marquette. Yeah, even if, yeah, even okay. if the shot goes in yeah. for Marquette, like you want to regardless see, of result, you want to see the guys yeah. flying around and, and helping each other defensively and um, being in the right spot and battling, just battling. And so I, I can feel and I can feel a question coming on from if anybody's listening. 
when they hear it, they go, I can just feel it. Do you think Marquette will zone Creighton as much as they did last night? <laughs> right. um, I, think, they, I know, think it's a gamble if they yeah. do. And they Creighton's pro- really good against the zone uh, throughout the season. But in the second half against Marquette, they only averaged, I think they only scored one point per possession against it. Um, so it took some time for them to get in, you know, get working against it. Jacob Everson is obviously a huge part of it. Um, he needs to be able to stay on the floor on the defensive end so yeah. he can help break the zone up into pieces on I mean, the other end. It's, like, it's silly so, if Marquette doesn't try it. But right. the question is, is if they're starting Howard and Rousey, right, right. and you have those two guys who are 5'11", um, not the length that you want um, the Sam Elliott defense, or right. um, who else did they bring a, bring a secure? Is his name Sam Elliott? Is that his name? I might have just made that up. Well, that's a really that's like the actor with the mustache in Roadhouse. <laughs> If his name is Sam Elliott, he's my favorite player in the league. <laughs> so, <laughs> something Elliott. I, um, I think it is Elliott something. Is it yeah. Sam Elliott? That's know. amazing I'm, if it's I'm, Sam Elliott. I didn't know I, if that's his first I'm, name It's or late, and I'm, I'm, names are... Uh, <laughs> he's but, the actor with the really deep voice and the mustache. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. That, yeah, yeah. Um, they had length at that spot. At, at least at one of the perimeter spots. Rousey was out there, obviously. But um, but if, you, if you're talking about bringing two dudes... Uh, putting two dudes at the top of your zone who Creighton's guards can see over, um, who can they can shoot, shoot over, over um, that they feel comfortable dribbling around and through. Certainly, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the best recipe or not. It's Greg Elliott. I, I knew it wasn't. I was like, Sam Elliott? Really? Is that, how did I not know that guy's name was Sam Elliott? I, th- I thought Greg Elliott, um, mm-hmm. Sakara Anim, um, and Jamal Kane were really good, and they – their length gave Marquette an edge. Yes. Um, in the, in the, and even Hell and John at the five spot mm-hmm. are big and long and physical. Like, uh, but it, but if you have Howard on the floor, that means you take away minutes from those. Not right. not John and and Hell because they're going to play. Yeah, yeah. But um, but you take away minutes from the six four six five six it's, six guys on the wing. It's so. been their dilemma all year. Yeah. Like, what will they? What are they willing to? Sacrifice defensively to have their optimum offensive lineup on the floor. Right. You know, I just, from a matchup standpoint, with Howard and Rousey on the floor at the same time, one of them is susceptible to being posted up if they're playing man. Right. Against Creighton, certainly. Because Kyrie Thomas, we talked about earlier, um, his, his efficiency in post up situations, and, you know, Creighton set him up for a post up to start the second half against Villanova, against Jalen Brunson, and again tonight to start against DePaul. Um, Second, he scored on both of them. I mean, he's he's incredibly efficient in post-up situations, um, and that's what Creighton tried to do to Marquette the first time when Marquette had Howard and Rousey on the floor together. Now, when Howard got hurt, Marquette's like, "We're just gonna put, we're gonna stick into his own defense because Rousey's in foul trouble, and we can't afford to have him get taken out of the game and both of them not on the floor because then they're lost." Um, so yeah, if they're if they're both on the floor together, I'm curious how much man they're going to play because if they're playing man, Creighton's going to put one of them in the post. Yeah. Whether Marcus Foster takes Rousey in there, or Howard or Kyrie Thomas does it, like that's what that's how Creighton's going to attack that. And the zone, and, and, got- and, I, and then I feel like the zone, like I agree with you, the zone is a big gamble too because yeah. Creighton, if you have Howard and Rousey on the floor at the top of it, um, that's a pretty weak spot of the zone just in general. Right. Because Creighton can see over it for the lobs, they can shoot over it, like you said. Um, I don't know what Marquette can do defensively with those two on the floor to stop Creighton. So they better be hitting sixty percent of their shots, I guess. <laughs> right, they're gonna need yeah. they're gonna need uh, to knock down a bunch of shots. I just felt like when I rewatched that game in the second half, now Marquette earned it because they played harder. Yeah. Um, 
they played smarter. Oh, they played so much harder they had, glass, they, had a, sure. they had this confidence and sort of swagger about them that Creighton didn't have. Creighton was not in attack mode. It needed to be. Mm-hmm. But they also kind of were fortunate. Marquette was. Um, they, really the good. amount of guys that committed to the glass, I mean, if Creighton is able – and a few of those rebounds just happen to bounce away from Creighton. If Creighton's able to get its hands on those, mm-hmm. it's two points the other way at least. Because you, when you commit those that many numbers to the glass, at three at times they had three guys crashing the glass at times. Um, I feel like if it Hauser, um, if he was inside, he would he would crash. Normally he's around the perimeter because he's a shooter. Hauser and Rousey didn't crash, but everyone else crashed mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, if they were on the floor, they were crashing. And so when you do that against Creighton, and if you don't get the board, that means that. You got a guy like Marcus Foster or Mitch Ballack or Kyrie Thomas grabbing it, turning and going, and they usually have a couple teammates who have already leaked out um, and are on a full sprint to the rim. I, uh, I think Marquette got a little bit fortunate by committing that those many guys to the to the to the glass and and Creighton not being able to take advantage of it. Now they uh, credit them because they, Creighton, got, they got the ball. They got the ball. Yeah, and so that's kind of the risk you run. Um, if you're if you're a team trying to attack the offensive glass that heavily um, against Creighton, but it'll be I think it's going to be another fun game. I mean, I when you got a team like Marquette that's playing with his back against the wall and it's so capable of exploding offensively, and the other question that I'll have for Creighton is kind of like a mentality thing. I think didn't it feel like in the second half when Marquette was starting to score and go that maybe Creighton was. I remember asking Coach Mack about it, and I think he maybe dismissed it, but, like, it felt like Creighton's guys were just forcing it just a little bit. Like, they kind of felt the pressure of the moment. Okay. Maybe they had the they had that lead, what was it, 16 at one point, and the, the crowd was getting anxious. Maybe I was just reading the energy of the crowd, but you could kind of sense it. I thought there was nervous energy in the crowd, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It, you could sure. just kind of sense it. It was like, gosh, we, we got to score here. If we don't score here, Marquette's going to keep – scoring building and building yeah. and building and we can't we got to find a way to keep pace with this team yeah i think marquette can do that sometimes. oh so you mean the game flipped and even when they were still ahead yeah, yeah. oh okay i, I got you I, but yeah, i just yeah. feel like marquette can do that sometimes because they can they can come down and hit i mean that's what the georgetown game was essentially it was <laughs> you know both teams had control of that at multiple times right. and it just like it, it just when they flipped get so... when they get on a run it's like yeah and and you don't feel like you're matching it i think you can Maybe get overwhelmed by that thought of, gosh, we gotta, I need we gotta something keep here. pace. Yeah. yeah, we need something here yeah. bad. Yeah. We need something here real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be one of the keys for Creighton is just from a mentality like to stay kind of poised and composed and relaxed, but still purposeful in the way that it, it sure. attacks offensively. Um, that'll be one of the keys. But yeah, like I said, I think it's gonna be a really fun game uh, if if Creighton's able to bring what it's what it's shown the last few games over to Milwaukee you're, you know you're going to face a team in Marquette that's it's essentially like a winner if probably they're, they're going to treat it like a winner go home game so oh absolutely you're going to get their best effort yep well, I think that's about all we can dissect from the night uh, it was just, I was just looking at Creighton's record it's kind of funny I can't remember what I think I had them finishing the season at 22 and 11 with a win in the play-in game and then a loss in the round of 64, I guess it would be. But I had them at 11 and 7 in the Big E. So they're one off from where I thought they would be, essentially. I think I remember having them at 10 and 8 in conference play. Okay, so they're right on pace then, right? On, yeah. I, don't, I don't imagine they'll be favored at, at Marquette, do you? 
think. I wouldn't think so, but yeah. you never know. That's true. That's kind of crazy. I don't think predictions usually go like that. It certainly hasn't gone like that from an from a personnel standpoint. No. The, what, they've the tra- had, what they've had to deal with, the fact the, that they're at that point. Is and the trajectory of the season hasn't really yeah. uh, mirrored that path as well or the path that we probably um, set out. But, you know, I think for Creighton, you got to feel that you're in a pretty good spot. Obviously the way that they've played the last two games, but just in general, I mean, third place in the Big East right now. And uh, pretty secure with your NCAA tournament position. Like... Um, now you can focus on you and try to make sure that you're peaking and, and playing your best basketball at the right time. So, because yeah. um, I'll say it, <laughs> it'd be funny not to say it, but like to say it, you know what what they might potentially lose out of this group with Foster and potentially Kyrie going pro, and then you know with all the things that we talked about the seniors bringing as far as how they it would be a disappointment not to to maximize it and yeah. and to to end the year. I mean, last year was a disappointment, obviously because. Uh, they played a team in Rhode Island who, sure, it was hot, but yet that, the way that game unfolded, you just felt like Creighton didn't play its best. No. You don't want to end on a, on, on a, on a game where yeah, you don't play your best. Yeah, someone's going to beat you, at least you know, feel good about mm-hmm. what you put forward in the 40 so, minutes that it takes to do Ultimately, it. everything that we've talked about with this team, uh, its makeup, you know, the selflessness, the, the way that different guys have uh, stepped up or, or handled um, adversity, it, it's kind of a moot point because everything's going to be, from the outside perspective, this team's going to be defined by how it performs over yeah. a very short span in March. Essentially, <laughs> and so, what, essentially what it comes down to, because you think about how crazy it is, Creighton might have three games left in their season. Right. It's essentially what it is. Yeah. That's what this time of the year is about. Yeah. You look at it and you go, okay, well, they have one more game in the regular season, potentially one game... You know, only one guaranteed game in the Big East tournament and only one guaranteed postseason game after that. So when you look at the bare minimum, they have three games left. Yep. That's, you know, so it's, it's up to them to make sure they, if, if you know, they want to do anything. Extend that. If they want to end it on a, on a note that they'll be satisfied with, whether it's a win or a loss, no matter, you know, but from an effort standpoint of what they put out there. Yeah, there's not a lot of time to mess around, right? Which is why there was so much urgency going into Saturday. Yeah. And you felt like you don't want your season to ride on Villanova and having to beat Villanova. But the way they responded, you can't – I mean, they should feel good about where they're at right now because it feels like they're one of these teams that you're probably not going to want to face if they continue to play like this. They'll make – you know, as far as Rhode Island making them miserable, it feels like Creighton's kind of working themselves to being one of these teams that you don't want to see in March. You know, which is, I think, kind of rare. I don't think they've always found themselves in that position at this point in the season. So they should probably feel good about it, you know, knowing that they kind of have proven to be a tough out and um, they've, they've shown some fight through adversity um, against one of the best teams in the country. And then they, tra- they turned it over. They didn't get all fat and happy about it. They turned it over and, and performed well against the team they needed to beat um, in DePaul tonight. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how it unfolds the rest of the way. Uh, that's probably all we have for tonight. Um, I think we've dissected that as much as we possibly could. Um, so we'll both be in Milwaukee, but I don't think we're going to have a Blue Jay beat. you got to fly out of Milwaukee really quick after the game. Um, i got to get out of there pretty fast. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll catch up in New York. I'm sure we'll try to find some time to uh, give you another post game after – um, certainly after one of Cre- – it depends on where they, when they play and everything like that and our flight schedules. But 
we'll try to give you one for sure. Um, either way, we'll wrap something up here. But if this is the last time, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed doing this. I think the people have enjoyed it. I certainly haven't heard any criticism yet. So they, we it's still have the people new, being kind. We still have the new puppy feel. We, we, we should get some. I'm, I'll be worried if like we do this again next year and people don't criticize us. <laughs> of like, the, I don't know if you guys are being so genuine. Like, the, you know, but we appreciate the feedback all throughout the season. Um, it's been fun, John. It's great picking your brain on basketball. Like we said uh, at the beginning of all this, this is essentially a conversation we would have anyway. Yes. So just hitting. We all, have, we do, we all, all we've this. done is hit record. We've had know. these conversations yeah. a lot. So yeah. it's. I mean, yeah, I, I enjoy the back and forth, and um, yeah, it's just it's fun to it's fun to talk basketball. Yeah, it is. It's fun to talk about this team too. There's, there's, it's just a good good group to cover, uh, to follow on a daily basis and everything like that. So, um, yeah. So I know that sounds like a goodbye for the rest of the year. We will try to make another one happen for sure. Um, but you know, with postseason schedules and things like that, it's uh, and the travel, it's a little harder. So, um, but we'll try to make it happen. If you don't, then this is the last one for the year. Uh, thanks for listening. No one's Until... chanting one more pod. I know one What's... more pod. One more pod. Maybe we'll get some. One maybe we'll get some pod. tweets. Some quote tweets like one more pod. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag. That'll that'll bring it. That'll bring it out for sure. <laughs> Hashtag one more pod. <laughs> one more beat. Uh, yeah. And in the meantime, though, check out John's work at Omaha.com. Uh, buy a newspaper. He does great work for the Omaha World Herald. Seriously, this, I'm not just saying that because he's sitting next to me. Um, I've been a fan before he started covering Creighton. He's a great writer. Uh, so support his work, support his effort. Um, buy a newspaper. Subscribe to Subscriber Plus. Am I getting that right? There's yeah, a, yeah, that new. Yeah. Check out all his stuff. He works hard. Subscriber Plus. Yeah. Even though I don't subscribe to subscribe, I mean, you might start now. I'm on, I'm on budget. It's tough. It's not that expensive though. When really? You, look at it, yeah. it? you can sell it to me right now if you want to. Yeah. See, you agree. Okay. Just go, uh, <laughs> on, just go to Omaha, Omaha.com, sample the product, see what you like. Yeah, if you like you it, go. then yeah. pull the trigger. It's basically, you guys are fans of this, it's basically this. In written form. In written form. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but check out his stuff, and then come over to White and Blue Review. Um, we should have the senior videos up. I don't know if they're already up or not. I haven't checked. That's my bad. But, yeah, Tom them is putting those things together, so you know they're going to be amazing. Um, so those should be up soon. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, keep supporting the coverage uh, because we enjoy doing it and we enjoy bringing it to you. Um, So until New York, I guess, we will have a good night, everybody. And, man, that was a bad sign-off. Have a good night, night, everybody. Should have been the sign-off. I should I don't know what I was else thinking. I mean, it wasn't Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Again, I think you kind of caught in that little. I was. In that. It's a paradox of whether or not this is going to be our last pod or yeah, not. Yeah, that's I'm what not I'm sure. thrown off by right now. Yeah, because like, yeah, we're not we're, we're not sure. Right. Yeah. Do you want to try it? What do you got to say? What's your best closing right now? I would say until next time. Just whenever that is? <laughs> yep. All right, that works. <laughs> until next time. Thanks for listening, everybody.